We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by The College Corner. I'm Neil McCready. Today on the show, Sam Spiegelman of Rivals.com will join. We'll talk about Ole Miss recruiting. We'll talk about what's going on at LSU, how that might impact things, a little bit about Dan Mullen and Florida, uh, kind of around the SEC a little bit, and then a pretty deep dive into uh, Arch Manning, the latest with Arch, the latest on what Sam thinks might happen there. He was at, at Ole Miss not that long ago, as you guys know. Talked about that visit a little bit, and then we finished up talking about Jordan Allen, the uh, safety out of Lafayette, Louisiana, who visited Ole Miss uh, for the LSU game. So we'll get to all of that, a lot of recruiting content with um, Sam Spiegelman of Rivals.com. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about the College Corner. It's your one-stop Rebel Shop, two locations in the Jackson area in Ridgeland. It's next to Fleet Feet in Flowood. It's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, it's okay. Go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Whether you're tailgating in Oxford or home gating with friends and family, the College Corner has you covered for game day, the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. We're also brought to you by Daniel Barfield, Barfield Wealth Management. Founded in 2000, they've been serving individuals and businesses in the Oxford and North Mississippi area now for more than two decades. Daniel carries both CFP and CPA designations. He's affiliated with the Advisors Resource Council. It's a registered investment advisory firm with offices in Oxford, New Orleans, Dallas, and surrounding areas. He and his staff offer comprehensive financial planning, including investment management, estate and tax planning, insurance planning, business retirement plans, and more. 662-236-6454. Or visit his site, barfieldwealthmanagement.com. We're also brought to you by Billy's Small Batch Bacon, my friend Bill William Stitt at Billy's has uh, spent more than 30 years in the restaurant and hospitality business, and he has mastered the art of bacon. He's perfected the bacon curing process. He says it takes eight days to perfectly cure bacon, not seven, not nine, eight. You can find out more by visiting his uh, restaurant, Old 27 Grill, there in Fairhope, Alabama, or you can go to Billy'sBacon.com, B-I-L-L-E-S, Bacon.com. Try it today. Uh, order five pounds or more, and you get a free Billy's Bacon hat. We're also brought to you by Alpha Specialty, 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. It's your trailer-specific professional. It's the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail. They've also got uh, Hallmark Cargo Trailers. They can work with third parties to have game day trailers, concession trailers built just for you. Spare tires and wheels starting at just $100. A full selection of trailer parts and accessories. 
hitches, winches, straps, and more. 601-932-9798 or alpha of ms.com. Brought to you by Muddy Water Camo. Go to muddywateroutdoors.com, enter the promo code Rebel Grove, get 35% off of all the heated jackets, heated vest, anything else on the site. Uh, free shipping on orders of more than $100 as well. Again, muddywateroutdoors.com, promo code Rebel Grove. John Jennings of uh, Jennings Executive Search sponsors us as well. John specializes in the recruitment of accounting finance, strategy, corporate development, and data science professionals from the staff to C-level in all industries. So whether you're a small business owner who needs a finance leader, whether you work in private equity or run a team at a Fortune 500 company, John and his recruitment team of former public accountants will simplify the process by presenting you with a short list of only the most qualified candidates. It's John Jennings on LinkedIn. That's J-O-N. Or email john at jenningsexec.com or call 404-536-3000. And last but not least, brought to you by Joey Erickson, Hair and Gear Autoplex. Let him help you find the vehicle you're looking for at a price you can afford. Choose from a full selection of new Chevy, BMW, Lexus, and Infiniti, or get a great deal on numerous brands of reliable pre-owned vehicles. Give Joey a call or a text on his cell at 662-571-2367. Tell him what you're looking for or stop by 1685 High Street in Jackson to test drive that new or used vehicle you've been looking for. All right, we're going to now talk some recruiting. A lot of uh, good stuff. Sam Spiegelman, Rivals.com. I think you guys will enjoy this. Here's Sam Spiegelman. Sam Spiegelman, Rivals.com. Kind enough to uh, spend some time with us here on the Soft Verbal Podcast. Sam, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Neil. Let's let's start off with Ole Miss. There's a handful of things I want to get to. I want to get to Arch Manning. I want to get to your thoughts on what's happening with the LSU search and 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 all of those things. But here we are. It's November the second uh, as we as we record this. So this early signing period, about a month and a half away. The coaching carousel still has to turn. There's a lot of things that could happen. But your kind of general thoughts on this Ole Miss class as it is uh, put together at this point. You know, it's it's about halfway full. Um, Top 30, which, you know, looks good. You know, you can't help but go up and down the class and and wonder where uh, the quarterback is. Obviously, it's, it's, you know, it's been a lot of Devin Brown buzz as the USC search goes on. And, wow, Devin Brown, the skill set to eventually possibly replace Matt Corral is just lights out um, as one of the best quarterbacks in the country. But, you you know, again, the the class has has some bright spots like, like most classes do especially regionally, but, you know, you look at, like, Jacarius Clayton is a really talented edge defender. Uh, Larry Simmons is a playmaker. Obviously, Dorch is a two-way guy that could play DB or receiver and just spread, brings that speed to the, the Ole Miss offense that we've seen. Um, Quinshawn Junkins and Jarrell Stenson are two guys, obviously, from Alabama with some intrigue, um, possible risers, and Bryson Hurst is your in-state, you know, classic franchise offensive tackle, but I don't know. I think they're obviously, if you look in state, they're obviously big targets that are still, whether they're committed elsewhere, uh, positions of need. It just feels like this class kind of lacks the superstar power. It just, you know, I don't know. Ole Miss is having a ton of success. And we were talking before we hopped on to the pencil record button, but maybe it's, you know, they're so focused on the season that maybe the recruiting will, will have to come in the next couple of weeks um, as we inch closer and closer to the first signing period. Um, and Lane Kiffin has a habit out of, uh, pulling out stunts late. Um, you kind of almost 
expected or, or kind of almost needed, I think, for this 2022 class to kind of add some of that that firepower toward the end, though. Yeah, you're right. You know, Kiffin does have a reputation for closing strong. That's what he's kind of always done in recruiting. But are you a little surprised that here we are in early November, Ole Miss, as we record this, is 6-2 and two, through two-thirds of the season. They've uh, they've – they're ranked 15th in the country. The only two losses are at Alabama, at Auburn. They've beaten Arkansas. They beat Tennessee. They beat LSU. They've gotten these wins, yet they don't seem to have that big-time traction in recruiting. I mean, they're doing okay, like you said, but but there's not there's not that star power. If I had told you before the year, hey, they'll be 6-2 and two at the two-thirds poll, would you have guessed they'd be a little, a little more traction in recruiting? A hundred percent. I mean, conversely, look at Georgia. Georgia, you know, they might have a reputation for these number one recruiting classes, but they certainly didn't start the year in, you know, in this in this range. And in, you know, with the success of vaulting to number one, you know, you you get Bear Alexander, you know, four months before he was set to announce. And you're now the the heavy favorite to possibly flip Jaheim Singletary or or Jaheim or, or Julian Humphrey, you know these two elite DBs from Florida and Texas, respectively. And that comes along with the territory of, you know, exceeding expectations or, or rather reaching expectations. And Ole Miss certainly fits one of those two categories. You would have success. You would, you would think that with the most, you know, one of the most high powered offenses, not only in the SEC, but the country, you would be in a better spot with quarterbacks. Quarterbacks tend to commit before their senior seasons. So, you know, Lane is going to have to do a Lane Kiffin sort of thing to get his quarterback. You never want to skip a cycle at that position. Um, and you know, with Mississippi, there's athletes everywhere you look. And and but but like you said, you know, they're 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 six and two. They they should be recruiting at more than just getting the guys in Mississippi. That's expected. They should have some national power. It feels like we're waiting for it at this point. But they certainly it has not translated as you might have expected. You mentioned quarterbacks. Uh, Justin Martin was a guy they looked at. I think they could have pushed a little harder for Martin if they'd wanted to. I think they really wanted. They really want Devin Brown. I know it's not your territory per se, but you you see some film. You talk to people who watch film. How good is Brown, and what did what do you kind of hear, just in a roundabout way, of what ultimately might be his decision? Yeah, you know, I, I've gotten to see Devin now at. Um at the elite 11 and, and he was, he ended up being one of our biggest risers in the 2022 class after that event. You know, it's so hard to judge quarterbacks in a camp setting yet. Devin Brown found a way to kind of, he kind of, honestly, it's, it's a, it's a lazy comparison and it might be because I'm on this podcast, but you just think about his skill set and how he translates into this offense that Jeff Levy runs. And I mean, it, the, the, the upside is through the roof. Now, you know, he's, he's a kid from Utah, um, he's committed to USC out West, and that makes a ton of sense given USC's background and history of of turning out quarterbacks. But we don't know who the head coach is going to be, and I think you'd have to wait and see what kind of offense and play caller and scheme fit. And and you know, for quarterbacks, I, I like how quarterbacks uh, go about their recruitments. They usually don't rush to make decisions like maybe I would. You know, I would that would decommit and open things up right away. But quarterbacks are way smarter than someone like me. They're going to wait and see. So it makes me it gives me the impression he's comfortable going to USC so long that they check the boxes with his coaching needs. And if not, I, I suspect that he's obviously has a fantastic plan B uh, in Ole Miss, and he knows that he could compete for the job uh, once Matt Corral hears his name get called this spring. And uh, he knows the offensive coordinator. He knows Lane Kiffin. 
Um, and he's going to have to do some comparing contrasting, but you know, in Ole Miss, like you said, missed on Justin Martin, maybe they should have pushed harder, but maybe they feel good about Devin Brown behind closed doors, but I'd hope they have at least a, a second or third option somewhere to call as uh, December gets closer. On Monday, you wrote that uh, Walker Howard was coming. <laughs> <laughs> a little while later, I'm not picking on you because I've been there. Uh, this, this sucks from a journalism standpoint. A little while later, uh, you found out that he's not coming. Uh, his dad told you that. Um, what happened? You know, I'm, I'm not sure what happened, but uh, I can say on, on authority that, you know, a week ago before the story had come out, so the story was posted November 1st, uh, a week earlier, I had heard from one source that that visit was in the works. And, and part of that was that, you know, Walker Howard, who's uh, the number two pro style quarterback in the country and obviously an LSU legacy. His father played at LSU and had some success there. And Walker is an absolutely fantastic high school quarterback. And um, he's just one of those new mold Kyler Murray, you know, he's six one, he's not six four, but he moves really well. And keeps his eyes downfield and has a rocket kind of arm. So all those traits get you excited about his future. Um, you know, he committed to LSU really early on, um, you know, and, and when things opened, you know, when things started getting a little crazy around coach O and the, and the coaching search, you know, you know, the, they, they started looking at Notre Dame um, and quietly, you know, there, there's been contact with Ole Miss um, Jeff Lebby uh, has been at the forefront like he is with most quarterbacks. And, and you know, in addition to, to people in the Howard camp, you know, I know that from quarterbacks and, and offensive recruits uh, that I've got a chance to speak to are very high on Jeff Lebby. And, and while this visit was scheduled, I, I can assure you of that. It, it's not going to take place now. Um, it begs me to to think that, you know, LSU has a policy. Um, and, and I kind of thought this might have been out the door. Uh, with Coach O on his way out the door that, you know, committed guys cannot go visit rival SEC schools while they're committed. Uh, hence, Jacoby Matthews, the five-star safety from Pontotula, decommitting to go visit A&M for the pool party over the summer. It's just that's just not what they do in Baton Rouge. I thought there might be an exception with Walker, um, who, is, who in Notre Dame was the first time he ever went to another college camp campus since, uh, I guess, since his sophomore year, probably, or, or junior year at least. But... Um, Listen, uh, if, if, if Ole Miss is dead set on flipping Devin Brown, then that might be their top choice. But that doesn't mean that the dialogue with Walker Howard, like I suggested, they, they have to be doing their homework. You can't not sign a quarterback. And kind of like Devin Brown, as he evaluates the, the USC situation, they're going to hire a new head coach and a new, head, a new offensive coordinator. And Walker Howard is paying very close attention to those same exact things at, at LSU. I think if they line up, He's an LSU legacy from Lafayette, Louisiana, so I think he'll end up there. But listen, if they if they if they hire JT Curtis and they're running the split bag veer, I, I, maybe he will go visit Ole Miss. You might just go see it. But a lot of things still to be decided. But at least we we do know for sure that that Ole Miss is 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 after Devin Brown, and they're certainly kicking the tires on Walker Howard. Let's talk about LSU a minute. They're sitting here with this. Uh, 14 commitments. They're ranked 11th in the rivals rankings. Ed Orgeron's out the door in, in four weeks. Uh, no one knows who they're going to hire. Um, what do you hear about that search? And how is, how is their recruiting class kind of hanging together? Or is, is it a lot of guys that are just sort of waiting to see what happens? Or is this a bunch of guys that are going to LSU no matter what? Yeah, I think it's a mix of both. Um, you know, I think, uh, 
I mean, someone like Walker is just, it's just a rare situation. It's not like any other, you know, four or five star quarterback committed. He's a legacy. So, you know, it's, you know, to pull any legacy off a of commitment, you know, a lot of the things are aligned for them to go to that school. And like I said, it's, you know, if, if 90% of the way they, they feel good about it, they just have to see about the scheme, then, you know, I'd say the odds certainly favor LSU to hold on to their five-star quarterback. And the same goes for, for their top 100 offensive tackle. Louisiana doesn't usually produce elite offensive linemen. Uh, this year, Neville has offensive tackle Will Campbell. He's been a standout for four years up there. He made the decision to commit to LSU in the spring, and, and he's a legacy. Um, you know, it, you know, Sam, I just real, say that Sam, doesn't open the door for other schools. But when, you know, when you're a legacy, you know, your mind is basically made up when you're a kid wearing those jerseys a lot of the times, dreaming of playing those stadiums. Um, and, and, you know, similarly, you know, other kids just are from Louisiana. They grew up rooting for LSU. They had to earn their offer and camp there and work out for there and develop relationships. Um Meanwhile, a lot of out-of-state kids are saying, oh, no, 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 You know, guys guys from Florida, guys from Georgia, guys from Alabama. Um, you know, they, 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 I expect them to, to, to either wait and see or just back off their commitment sooner rather than later. Um, I'd imagine, you know, they're just taking their time and, and still visiting other schools because, you know, a lot of times in, as we get to Halloween, they, they've already kind of made their mind and they're expecting the sign. So, this is really throwing a wrench in their plan. So you have to kind of feel for the families and the kids most, most importantly. Um, but, but with that in mind, listen, they, they're going to hold on to a lot of the Louisiana kids with the right hire. Um, they'll, they'll lose a few, you know, some of these kids, some of these kids are not only considering LSU and are automatically going to go there, but they're considering Georgia or Alabama or Texas A&M and Texas. And those are four other really good schools. And, you know, for each kid, you know, obviously the schools are different and the relationships and situations are different. Um, the two, the, for, to get to your first question, I've heard a lot of names over the last couple of, uh, over, of weeks uh, before Ed even lost his job. Um, I actually got to see Ed over the weekend and he was in really great spirits, which is great to see because he's still a good person. Uh, but the two names that I have heard uh, Mel Tucker is a name that I've heard a lot today, actually being on the phone with a bunch of people, um, obviously coming off of just a colossal signature victory at Michigan State. And the timing of that could not have worked out better for whatever Mel Tucker's agent wants to ask of LSU. <laughs> uh, and the second, which, which is the name that I was hearing buzzing before Ed actually got fired, um, was, was Lincoln Riley at, at OU with the intent that LSU is going to sell him on coming to the SEC. You know, you're coming regardless. You know, here's Louisiana to recruit. I, I heard somewhere upwards of $12 million per year. Wow. Um, and, and you say we got, we got the hogs in the trenches that, that you can really win in the SEC. And that's kind of been Lincoln's bugaboo in all those playoff, you know, semifinal games throughout the years. So I don't know if, if either one is, is leaning that way or not, or just, you know, they'll move on. But from what I also understand, Scott Woodward is a very aggressive AD. I don't think I'm breaking any news there. But he has reached out to prominent coaches across the country, guys that you didn't think that he would probably reach out to. I think that's, I think it's also been reported, not by me by any means, that he's gone up into the NFL realm to check on some, some candidates. So it seems like it's a pretty expansive search. You know, I don't know how many people of, that he's reached out to are super interested, but like anything, you know, anytime it, the right hire will ultimately indicate what's going to happen with this recruiting class and the wrong hire will, will have the same effect. So, 
Um, a lot to be seen over here in the SEC territory over the next couple of weeks. Did you? What did you read into what uh, Dan Mullen said yesterday? He got so defensive about recruiting. Obviously, their recruiting is not where you probably need it to be to to compete for a national championship. That's the expectation there. Um, were you as kind of taken aback by it as I was? Where I listened to that and I said, "Uh oh, that's that's a sign of a guy in trouble." Yeah, it's it's almost like. I don't want to say you're coming up with an excuse. Um, you know, I know that we spoke about LSU and, and, and you and I both know that I used to be on the LSU beat. And, and there was a time when Ed first got the job and he lost to Troy. And he he talked about, you know, not recruiting the right players to, to you know, and, and when he lost to Mississippi State, not having the right offensive and defensive linemen. And, you know, it, it kind of, that's the only thing that I can really liken to what Dan Mullen was saying. And, if you're the head coach of Florida, you know, you have all the resources available to you. It's one of the best jobs in all of college football because of the resources, because of the, the recruiting base around you. And they, they were just in the SEC championship game last year. And, you know, and, and when I when I was watching that, that Alabama-Florida game, you know, I don't get to always catch these big CBS games, but I was happy to catch that one. It reminded me when I used to watch those Saban teams against Tim Tebow. It was so close. Um, a little bit unorthodox Florida offense, but still effective. Um, and to see where they are a month later after getting, you know, losing the LSU and half of the LSU team and, and now just getting, you know, come up with excuses at the podium. I don't know, you know, if they're going to fire Mullen now. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising based on the rest of college football, but after you make those comments, I'd expect you to go out on the recruiting trail. <laughs> you got six weeks. Why don't you make some noise? Because you're kind of putting yourself out there when you do something, when you say something like that. Well, you look at the league. I mean, right now, these are just rivals rankings. So take that for what anybody wants to take them to, to be worth. And I don't mean that as a criticism, but some people are like, oh, the r- rankings don't matter. And some people think the rankings are like a, almost a, a, a biblical sign. But you've got Georgia at one and Alabama at two and um, LSU is 11, Texas A&M's 13, Missouri is 16, Arkansas 17, Kentucky 19, uh, South Carolina 22. I'm naming teams before I get to Florida. Mississippi State's at 26, Ole Miss is at 29, Tennessee's at 32. I mean, that won't cut it at Florida where all those teams are, are, are beating you in recruiting or is perceived to be beating you in recruiting and you look on the field, they're four and four. They lost LSU. They they lost to Georgia. They lost to uh, to Kentucky. I mean, they've got they've got L's on the field as well. So it's not just the recruiting trail where they're getting beat. Would you ever think that Florida, Florida State, and Miami would all be at this middling level at this point in the year, and none of them have these elite classes in that state? <laughs> no, and it's it's why I'm I'm really interested in at least two of those jobs at this point. I mean, I keep thinking something at Miami I keep thinking they'll announce that hey we're going to hang on to uh Manny Diaz Miami's 57th in the in the rivals rankings um you know I I keep thinking something will give there but that's a job that obviously given Lane Kiffin's situation it's not a job that I think he would leave for but I think if a job were to open up that that would be one that people would talk about people would talk about UCLA if it opened up people have talked about LSU though I think you and I both believe that Lane Kiffin's not very high on the LSU list if he's on it at all. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't either. Um, so let me get back to Ole Miss for a minute. It's um, it's obviously we're we're I don't know how many months away, somewhere between 
four and maybe eight months away from an Arch Manning decision. You've followed that as closely as anybody. I think you've done a great job covering him. You've given him the space that, that he deserves as a young person. You've kept up with his coach. I think you've positioned yourself to be able to really work that story when it intensifies in the spring. What are your thoughts on where things stand right now with Arch Manning in general and with Ole Miss specifically? specifically? Yeah, and, and listen, um, you know, we have not sat down with Arch yet. Um, that is definitely on the agenda in the next couple of weeks. Um, Newman is, is preparing for week 10 this week. Um, after a couple of big, you know, high elect- high atmosphere, you know, big public TV games. Um, so I think they're, they're, trying, they're enjoying the, a little bit of quiet, trying to wrap up the regular season. And then Arch just has to go on probably his most pressure-laden playoff journey, I think, yet, because now he's a junior and the expectations are rising. But he's went on five visits this fall. Um, and, and in talking to people familiar with the situation, I don't think that he's going to have a decision made before the end of this year. I mean, I could be wrong and, and I would not rule out anything because everything is so close to the vest. So they do such a good job at that. Um, but I, I really don't believe that he's close to making a decision. I think if anything, I think he has been able to rule out uh, a team or, or, or maybe even more, but at least, you know, start kind of eliminating teams slowly or maybe at least favoring some over the others rather might be a better way to put it. Um, and I think that there, he's starting to develop a pecking order. Um, I'm not going to take a stab at, at guessing the pecking order um, for the sanctity of, of this, but um, <laughs> I, th- I think, I think, you know, I, th- I think, you know, you watch a college football season, you're bound to, to, to get some thoughts. I mean, he's a football junk. I think I said this to you on the, the podcast we did last time, but he's a football junkie. So if, if, that's what Arch cares about, right? And, you know, his family, I think they're just, they're like normal two parents trying to make sure their their son is going to college in a place where he's going to be taken care of and all the resources are around him and, you know, just doing their due diligence as normal two parents can be, um, name Manning. But Arch, from a football sense, he's been all about relationships. Um, and if you go from team to team, there is like a point man and a quarterback that he is like, completely dialed in on else everywhere. If you start at Georgia, he's, he's very close to Todd Munkin. He's very close to coach Hankton. Um, Kirby smart went to see him this year. Um, and he loves Todd Munkin's offense. And I think that that Georgia visit was really awe inspiring for him. And now they're the number one team in the country. And if you look at that O line, they got a kid from new Orleans at center and they are big. And I think if, if you're arch, and this is just completely hypothetical, Newman's season, you know, they played that big game uh, against Tampa Berkeley, <laughs> and they had the Notre Dame uh, edge rusher come out. I bet he's really interested in maybe some 6'6", 300-pound tackles on both sides of him before he goes to the next level. Um, he, went to, he went to Texas. He's got a great relationship with Sark. I think arguably his best relationship with a head coach in general in this process and Sark, we don't need to go into great detail that he's a great offensive mind. Everyone knows that who's watched him, you know, coach over the last decade plus. And I think he's, even though the, the results on the field aren't exactly uh, convincing by any means, you know, Arch is paying attention to what this offense looks like. And this offense has looked really good at, at, on occasion. He's got a great relationship with not only Sark, but Milwee. And, and, you know, like any other human being, 
the family really likes Austin. Um, it's really hard to blame them. It's a beautiful city. Um, and I, and I think Texas is squarely in the mix. Um, and, and they've been a like, you know, they got a really good group of quarterbacks in the 2023 class in the state in Texas, and they're still making arch a priority. And, and they're, I think the buzz there is, is definitely, um, legitimate to, to a certain extent. Um, he went to Alabama for the Ole Miss game. Um, obviously that was Alabama in, in looking as looking like the machine that Alabama is. Um, listen, every time that I hear that Arch or his coaches or, or Cooper, I mean, talk to Nick Saban, who did the Manning cast with his uncles. And I think he said, he, I couldn't, I can't wait to coach a Manning one day or something. I, I, I missed it. Um, you know, Alabama, kind of like Georgia, you, you see everything is in place for you to kind of step in. You know, I've heard some people say that Alabama is too much of a front runner for Arch to want to go to. I don't know if Arch is really putting too much emphasis on that. He's a he's a 16 or 17 year old, really laid back kid. And I think he's going to go wherever he thinks is the best fit. I don't think he's trying to take on the public perception of his decision. I think he's just going to make his best decision that he can make. And that visit to, to Tuscaloosa from all things I heard was, was really great. Um, the old Miss game I heard got a little bit emotional for him, you know, obviously honoring Eli and being there with his family. And, um, you know, I, I, I watched a little bit of that game as well on TV and, you know, listen, Lane Kiffin for all the things you want to botch him about with his class and where it's ranked and why doesn't he have a quarterback. He had Manning painted in the end zone, which is about as cool of a recruiting technique as I could think of yeah. as a, as a 31 year old adult who has already went to college and is done with all of the, the, the fees. And, and that is a cool thing to see. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure that, that Arch felt very, very, uh, special, but, and maybe overwhelmed, but he, like I said, he's a cool kid. And I think, you know, he knows what this, this moment means for his family in the big picture. And I think Ole Miss is very much in it. And, um, and a big reason why is, is, like I said earlier, Jeff Levy is, if you're talking about Steve Sarkeesian as a great offensive mind, put Levy in that same conversation um, and we'll take it from there. And then he obviously just went to Clemson. He's got a great relationship with Coach Streeter. Um, you know, Clemson might have been uh, a team I, I would have said at the forefront maybe, le- you know, a year or two ago. I'm not exactly sure where it stands. I've heard some conflicting things. But, you know, because it's an Ole Miss podcast, it's right now I think Ole Miss is cemented as a contender. I think they always have been, and they were never going to be out of it. But you and I have had private conversations that, you know, are they a contender because they're Ole Miss, or are they a contender because they fit the the boxes that Arch is looking for, Arch and his mom and his dad and his grandpa. But it's Arch's decision, don't get me wrong. And, yeah. and everyone has been very open and honest about that. And I think Ole Miss certainly checked the boxes beforehand and then during the visit he got a fantastic experience what I think is next and I don't know this for sure I think he might return to a couple of these schools I'm curious to know if he would go see another out-of-state school does he go to LSU if they make a new hire and and, and explore and talk to them do any of the coaches at any of these teams change teams and are elsewhere next year he's been very cognizant of the coaching carousel since he was a freshman or a sophomore. Sure, he's lived it. Yeah. He, he, he knows it. He knows it better. He's, listen, his, his parents, uh, his family, rather, is like the first family of the NFL. And like college, the NFL is a coaching carousel every year, right after, you know, at a certain point in the calendar. And he's, he's like I said, he's put a big emphasis on these relationships. They all have to line up. 
he's not he does not feel rushed to make a decision, but I can assure you it'll be, you know, sometime whether it's in the spring, whether he wants to extend it out to the summer. I think this fall went a long way in, in helping him kind of establish contenders or, or maybe even eliminate contenders. I don't know. But he's he's certainly moving the process along. We'll see if other teams can or will enter the mix. But we, we have an idea of, of who is in the mix. Um, and I think he's been able to take this process to the next step in, in his own mind, in his own decision-making process um, over the last few weeks. If you made me guess, and again, this is a guess, but like you, I've talked to people. I would guess today, if you maybe put a, a pecking order on it, I would say that Texas has a slight lead. I think it's really slight. I don't think it's as big as some of the Texas media make it out to be. Um, they just, I, I get it, but I, I don't, I mean, I, I think it's a, a really small league. If it were a, a lead, if it were an election, it's way too close to call. None of the networks would be declaring a, a victor at this point. Well, what I can tell you, Neil, because that's a it's something that gets spoken about by me quite a bit, is Texas has a fantastic group of media members um, covering the team, covering recruiting. You know, like they, they do a fantastic job. And there's a lot of them because it's Texas. <laughs> there's been a lot of Texas media at Newman in the month of October. Um you know, I, I happen to live in New Orleans, so I, I do feel like I have great access to, to that program in general. And I have been blessed to have great access to Arch and know a lot of the things that go on in the program related to and not related to the Mannings. I can tell you that, you know, every single year, you know, Coach Stewart at Newman, you know, comes up with a slogan. He's done that since I was working at NOLA.com, you know, previewing their semifinal matchup against Notre Dame, you know. It's just a part of the, the Newman culture. And, you know, Stewart and Coach Sark have a great relationship, and he stole the all gas, no brakes slogan. I got to be honest. It's a, it's a fantastic slogan. And, and I think every time a Texas media member has seen that, they've like, I think they just over-processed it. You know, it's a really good slogan. I don't think it'll be the slogan next year, <laughs> you know. And I, and I think, you know, obviously we're getting intel in and out, and he did make the visit, and the visit went really well from all uh, that I understand. But I do believe that the perhaps the, the contingent of Texas media that happened to go to New Orleans to see and interview and talk to Arch about his visits to Austin might have a role in maybe the public perception of where Texas is in this whole big picture. Am I crazy? No, I think you're right. I was I was going to say I'd put them in a slight lead, but I think both Ole Miss and Georgia are really in it, like big time. The question I have with Ole Miss, and I'm putting you on the spot here because I'm going to let you either be the good guy or the bad guy or somewhere in between. Um, the question I have with Ole Miss is that I keep continue to hear, no, 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 first, number one, he is a, a very strong, and you touched on this, the emotional reaction to uh, to that game and to his uncle having his his jersey retired and his grandfather being there and his grandfather's an absolute legend at Ole Miss. I mean, the high the the speed limits and the whole deal and uh, their name is everywhere at at Ole Miss as it should be. I mean, they've probably the two most famous football players to ever play there. 
hundred percent. Um, so I'm sure that that means something to him. Um, you know, they have they have a house here or a home. I should as, say, as, as pure human beings, regardless yeah. of their last name. Like, yeah, that's of course. Your grandpa, that's your uncle. Yeah, like, of course. Yeah, right. And his and his dad. You know, his Cooper signed here. And his dad. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot there. I, I think Ole Miss is very much in it. Um, I think George is very much in it. I've, I continue to hear that over and over to the point that I, I believe it to be true. I think Clemson has faded some from what I've heard. And at the end of the day, I don't think he's going to Alabama. And I'll, I'll say this, one of my main sources on this is just bet, been consistent going, he's going to go to Alabama. And I, I just don't think that to be the case. Regardless, I think Ole Miss is in it, but I do wonder, because I continue to hear that the other draw with, with Ole Miss is that he and his family really like Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that and, – and this isn't a knock on, on Jeff or, or Lane or Jeff's relationship with Lane or Lane's relationship with Jeff or anybody's relationship with anyone. <laughs> I, I don't know that I would put a lot of money on both Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy being here next year. I just think Jeff's going to have other opportunities. And, I mean, you know, there's a lot of jobs that are open in Texas right now. Um uh, you've got the job at Texas Tech that's open. You've got the job at TCU that's open. Uh, the Bryles family has, and you know, a tremendous amount of Texas. When I say Texas, and state one of, of those Texas contacts could open up the SMU job. Yeah, it could open up the SMU job. Who knows? Uh, Luke Fickle could leave Cincinnati to go somewhere, and a guy like Jeff Levy would be, you know, on, on that list. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? Like what might happen? A coordinator job might open up. Bill O'Brien might leave. Um, you know, Alabama to go to be a head coach somewhere. I'm just spitballing at this point. Right. And, and maybe Nick Saban goes after uh, Jeff Levy. I mean, I've heard that rumor. There's so much out there. So the question is, is if Jeff Levy were to leave, just to leave, nothing, just nothing malicious here. He just takes another <laughs> job. If Jeff Levy left, how much, if at all, does that hurt Ole Miss with, with Arch Manning, in your opinion? And I know you don't necessarily know the answer. Yeah, it, it would definitely be one of the more curious uh, developments in this recruitment because kind of what we were saying is to this point, no one has really changed jobs yet in the in the middle of Arch's, not only his recruitment, but in, you know, we're not saying he's in the, he's on the cusp of making a decision. He's nowhere, he's not close to it yet, but he is gearing up to eventually make a decision. Like he has an end point in mind. So you know, I think what, from we talked about, Ole Miss checks all of these boxes. I think he would have to re-examine the program. You know, assuming if if Lebby left or if Kiffin left to take another head coaching job or a professional job, like that's all TBD for now. I think he would he would reassess what Ole Miss is. Obviously, that I think they I don't think they would be eliminated at any point in his decision. Obviously, Arch will not have hats or caps at his announcement ceremony if he even has an announcement ceremony, but. You know, for all intents and purposes, there in theory there would always be an Ole Miss cap there because we just talked about the storied history of his family in Oxford. Um, it, what it would do is, I'd be curious to know if wherever Levy went, maybe that's a very strong relationship. Levy appeals to quarterbacks all over, and if he has the attention of Arch Manning, I'd be curious to know if you know. If he got hired as Alabama's OC, if he got hired as Cincinnati's head coach or, you know, TCU's head, I, I would, I'd just be curious to know if that might motivate, you know, maybe I think the dominoes might have to line up, you know, if, if, if he ended up at Cincinnati, I really don't think Arch Manning is going to wind up at Cincinnati. 
But if he did line, if he did wind up at a Clemson or uh, a you know on Georgia's staff, on Alabama's staff, on LSU's staff, you know, or stay put it. I think it, it could, I don't, it maybe leads to another visit. It, it could, it could only hurt. It could only help it, rather to add Jeff Levy to the equation. If you're, if you're recruiting Arch Manning, I mean, the same way he's got a close relationship with Todd Munkin or, or Brandon Streeter or, or AJ Milley. Like those are, those are key figures. And this is the first coaching swap that's happening, but I really, you know, long story short, which I definitely took a long route as, as tradition, um, <laughs> I don't think Ole Miss is ever going to be fully out of the race unless something crazy happened, like unforeseen. Um, even if, if it was just Levy leaving, I fully would, would think that Arch is, because of the sheer sense that we know, you and I both know from, from good sourcing that, you know, he felt, you know, he felt it in his heart when he got to see his uncle retire there. I don't think they would automatically be out of contention, just like, you know, Alabama losing its OC potentially. I think he would he would have to assess. Like we said, he's not a a, a quick twitch thinker where he's gonna you know change his mind and cut someone and put out a top eight and cut someone and make it a top seven. He's not like that. He's very calculated, and I think he would just assess and assess until he found the best. You know, until he eventually makes his decision. Last thing on Arch, then I'll ask you about one or two guys. Then I'll, I'll let you go, and I really appreciate your time. What kind of coattails? could Arch Manning have among other recruits, or is that a thing of the past given the social media presence that everybody has now? No, you know what? You're, you're, someone else had asked me this. Um, <laughs> I won't use names or networks, but I'll definitely say it was the Texas media because they were curious, like, you know, if, you, if, if Texas landed Arch Manning, you know, it's a, it's a major destination. Um, I can tell you that I don't feel as if it would be a regional thing. Um you know, like Louisiana is, you know, it's a pretty tight knit group. And if Arch Manning were to go to Ole Miss or to Clemson or somewhere in between, I would expect a lot. I expect a lot of offensive skill players and a lot of offensive linemen to say, "Hey, I want to play with this guy." Like, you know, even though Newman's had a couple of losses this year and he's been watched on television, and and both have been losses to, you know, surprisingly, he is a fantastic player. And it's not an accident that every network that exists has him in, if not number one, like us, number two, and number one amongst quarterbacks. Um, if, if you're a receiver, you know, I, I, you know I, I just, if you just look at it from the purest football sense, and that's the only thing I'll go off of, is right, you know, last year he had A.J. Johnson, a four-star receiver. He's now in Florida as his primary weapon. And A.J., you know, making plays over the middle, stretching the field over the top vertically, just being a a go-to for Arch Manning where you're getting precise, accurate passes right as you get out of your breaks over and over again. Like, who wouldn't want that? Now, you know, he's playing with Will Randall, who's uh, his, in his class, a pretty good pretty good tight end in his own right. And Will is not a generational talent, but he's really, really good, power five tight end. And Will benefits from having a, an elite five-star quarterback that sees the field and goes through his progressions like an NFL quarterback. I mean... So if you're the best slot receiver in the country and Arch ends up at, at Alabama and Alabama's recruiting you, wouldn't and you're choosing between Alabama and Ohio State, well, you have a tough decision. You can either play with Arch and at Alabama, you know, or you can go to Ohio State and learn under Brian Hartline. I mean, none of none of these kids are gonna make bad decisions, but I can't help if you're a receiver 
and you know that the history of, of even even if you don't know the the stories that we've heard about Arch at Newman, um, and there's a great story by ESPN the from a couple of weeks ago about what a student of the game he is, and and we've written about it a ton too. So I implore people to, to learn a little bit about Arch and what is actually important to him if you're interested in his recruitment. Um, and I think I think it would work vice versa. Man, he's who wouldn't want to play with that kind of talent? So I think it will elevate whichever school he lands and. Assuming he does it, you know, whether it's, you know, January through, you know, April or May of, of, of the spring, I'd, ima- I'd imagine to see a, a, a trickle-down effect in the recruiting trail. Hey, last thing. We started with the Lafayette kid. We're going to finish with one. Uh, Jordan Allen was committed to Penn State. He took an official visit to Ole Miss. I haven't talked to him since then. I don't know whether you have. Uh, what, are you, what are you hearing on, on his recruiting? Yeah, well, I mean <laughs> – he knew that if he was going to visit Ole Miss, uh, Penn State would uh, go in a different direction, much like the the rule I talked about, you know, 45 minutes ago with LSU. If you're committed to 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 uh, Penn State, you want to visit another school, they they move on. Uh, Jordan did that. I'd have to put L- I'd have to put Ole Miss uh, at the forefront if uh, if that's the decision that he's making, knowing that going in, um, you know, he's. He's he's an interesting recruit. Um, he doesn't have elite speed, but he's very physical. He actually shut down the aforementioned AJ Johnson in the playoffs when they played at Newman last year, which was a really good game um, during COVID. Um, and and Jordan has a lot of upside. Uh, you know, one school that has always been in the mix with him and, and always kind of waiting for him whenever he would kind of look back at them was Louisville. And I still wouldn't rule them out, and, and their success with it with a couple of Louisiana DBs is certainly attractive to Jordan. Um, but yeah, I mean, going to Ole Miss, like you said, they got they got a couple of dominoes that still need to fall, and, and I would definitely put Jordan in that mix. The only thing keeping me is is you know he's one of those Louisiana kids that has has wanted an LSU offer and hasn't been able to get it. Um, I don't foresee LSU offering. Obviously, I don't know who the next head coach is going to be, so I can't tell what they're looking for in their corners or safeties, but. Right now, I would say Ole Miss or Louisville for Jordan Allen, and uh, he's a really he's a talented player, and I think under the right coaching staff, they can get some good use out of him. Sam, as always, man, I really appreciate the time very much. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, Neil. Big thanks to Sam Spiegelman for his time today on the Soft Verbal Podcast. We'll be back uh, in the next week or so. That's my goal. Ole Miss hosts Liberty this weekend. They get ready to get. Uh, Texas A&M next weekend. I expect the Texas A&M weekend to be a much bigger recruiting weekend than the one coming up against Liberty. Texas A&M game obviously is a bigger game. It's at 6 o'clock at night. There's going to be a lot more people in town, a lot more buzz than this weekend against Liberty where I get the sense that the uh, the hope is just to survive the game, get through it, and get ready for a big SEC West showdown against the Aggies. So we'll be back next week to preview that weekend, try to have a list of visitors to you for the Liberty game here in the next few days and really start focusing in on who's coming in for that Texas A&M game, be the home finale. Actually, not the home finale. Vanderbilt's a week later, but the last big uh, high-profile premier game of the season at home for Ole Miss as uh, they get into the month of November and uh, get closer to the signing period and all the things that come with that. So, again, thanks to Sam. Don't forget, this is brought to you by the College Corner. It's collegecornerstore.com. They've been great to us. 
please uh, remember them if you're in the Jackson area. It's in Ridgeland next to Fleet Feet in Flowood. It's next to Half Shell. You can also go visit them on Facebook and Instagram. Scott and the people there at the College Corner have uh, been super to us. So please remember as you get started with some of your holiday shopping and that kind of thing, check out collegecornerstore.com. You'll be very glad you did. So again, thanks to Sam. I'll be back with you at some point next week with another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast. Until then, take care. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.